We begin at the Great Council of 101, where a new heir is to be chosen following several tragedies that saw the deaths of princes. The old King Jaehaerys is taking this step because he wishes to avoid a war breaking out upon his death. He believes the only thing that can destroy the House of the Dragon is itself. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The king does die two years after the council, which chose Viserys, his grandson. Viserys ascends peacefully, and we fast forward to nine years into his reign for a total of 11 years after the Great Council. That makes it 112 years after the conquest, or 112 AC for short, and 172 years before Daenerys, which we can go ahead and call BD for short. Ten adult dragons are said to be in the power of House Targaryen at the time of the council, with more coming as hatchlings were not uncommon in this era. But by the time of Daenerys, all those dragons will have been gone for 130 years. According to Fire and Blood, all the dragons, young and old, will be dead a mere 53 years after the Great Council of 101. That's the year 154 AC, or 130 BD. Only eggs will remain, and many attempts to hatch them will be made from egg to the Mad King, but none will succeed until Danny. Without the dragons, the old king's fear will be realized many years later when the Targaryens lose the throne to Robert Baratheon and friends. So we can see that, despite foreseeing the danger, he did not or could not prevent it. Neither, it seems, will his descendants. In fact, they'll do the majority of the damage, and this is their story. But not only their story, as events will slowly involve more and more of Westeros and places beyond. One of the places beyond is mentioned very early on by Lord Corlys Velaryon, a man who knows a lot about places beyond. He was once a great explorer of the world, and is now the Master of Ships, a title held exclusively by his family to this point in history. His concern is the Stepstones, the island chain between Dorne and Essos. While holding no direct source of wealth, they can choke off shipping to the entire east coast of Westeros, not to mention the west coast of Essos. The islands are usually held by ever-shifting gangs of pirates and the occasional pirate king a la Salador San and some of his ancestors, but the current threat is much greater than pirates. Instead, the free cities of Lys, Tyrosh, and Mir have allied and deployed Craghast Crabfeeder to conquer it. Lord Corlys believes that they'll be a much greater problem than mere pirates. Yet no one else on the small council seems terribly concerned. They're more interested in the upcoming tourney, and the king himself is thinking of the birth of his child most of all, whom he is convinced is a son. His queen Emma Arryn is due any day now, and he has dreamt of the result. At first, it appears their luck will hold. Queen Emma goes into labor during the tournament, and what better time to celebrate the birth of a new prince when so many are already gathered? But like the gods and their Targaryen coins that determine madness or genius, the flip side here is that there is no worse time for a tragedy. Emma and the child both die after a desperate and tragic struggle as the tournament comes down to a final duel between the unknown Sir Criston and the infamous but popular Prince Daemon. Still, the king's dream arguably does come true, only in a manner commensurate with the uncertainty of prophecy, in a way he never imagined. A son was born, and they named him after Viserys and Daemon's own father, Balon. 
The infant Prince Balon was briefly the heir. There were ringing swords and splintering shields and thundering hooves as well. The dragons did roar at the funeral at the tourney when Damon exclaimed his victory prematurely, believing he had beaten Sir Criston, and as he left on his dragon Caraxes, who roared when Rhaenyra ascended to Princess of Dragonstone and heir to the throne. In Viserys' dream, they all roared as one, however, and these are separate occasions. Perhaps it is meant to signify their mourning as one, or perhaps the dream has yet to pass. For now, it is strongly suggested that a queen will not be well-received by some. That it's never been done before could be a problem, so clearly this is a point of conflict. Other threats are raised here to set up the future of the series as well. There's the powerful alliance of Lys, Tyrosh, and Mir, which could choke off shipping that no one but Lord Corlys is concerned with. As we saw, they'd rather discuss the tourney, which itself showcases a different sort of problem laid out well by Lord Corlys' astute wife, Princess Rhaenys, the queen who never was. She's unsurprised that some of the combatants turn sport into real fighting. She notes how this extreme violence is a side effect of long-standing peace and prosperity, that so many of these men have no idea how awful real battles are, because it's been ages since Westeros had any of note. They are very much like Renly's Knights of Summer or any other example where war is glorified by the naive. Rhaenys doesn't say it out loud, but the implication is that it didn't have to be this way. That maybe it wouldn't be if she were the queen who is, instead of the queen who never was. Someone with a stronger ruling hand, both lowercase and uppercase hand, that is, might not have men thinking they can just kill each other in attorney with no consequences. We've seen an example of this before as well. Sir Gregor nearly slew Sir Loras and his own brother in the tourney of the hand early in A Game of Thrones, and Robert yelled for his men to simply let him go. It seems men knew King Robert would be lax in such cases as well. Though perhaps even Rhaenys could not reign in a man like Prince Daemon, who seems to openly cheat against Sir Gwen Hightower in the jousting, also without penalty. But the lower-born yet handsome Sir Criston Cole knocks the famous Dark Sister from his hand, then knocks him off his feet to win the day. Sir Criston proceeds to win attention from both Alicent and Rhaenyra and receive the princess's favor, arguably knocking her off her feet as well. Daemon is unhappy for it to be over, but from the ground there's not much he can do about it. He's lost. Same goes for the ongoing fight with his brother, which he's even more unhappy to lose, as it results in him stripped of his status as heir thanks to his very disrespectful method of mourning, as reported by Sir Otto. Damon doesn't seem like the type to take his loss of status lying down. In fact, he went flying up with Mazaria, who doesn't seem like the best influence, so he or they are likely a threat to peace. Earlier, we saw him sitting on his brother's throne. Still, he was kind to Rhaenyra, whom he brought a gift of Valyrian steel to, and to his brother at the funeral itself. And by the same token, or Targaryen coin if you prefer, Daemon seems right about hand to the king Sir Otto, who has sent his own daughter Alicent to the grieving Viserys with an eye on them establishing a... connection. If you think that means he wants her to become the new queen one day, maybe even have kids with the king, you're on the right track. That clearly makes him a threat as well. This threat is magnified by the seemingly strong bond between Otto's daughter, Allison, and Rhaenyra. Best friends in a similar position and age, their lives are set to change quickly given the events of this first episode. There's conflict in Allison's face as she helps her friend prepare for the ceremony where she'll be named heir. Despite her youth, Allison seems to sense that what her father is doing is quite dangerous for them all, not to mention a threat to their friendship. So it seems that many of these conflicts are far from straightforward, complicated by existing friendships and bonds of family. But the most surprising threat of all, one that is surely not simple or straightforward, but definitely related to family, is the one revealed to Rhaenyra at the end of the episode. As they bask in the presence of the skull of Balerion the Black Dread, once ridden by Aegon the Conqueror, Magor the Cruel, and Viserys himself, albeit briefly, he speaks of their secret responsibility delivered via prophetic dream over a century ago. 
Though he is in mourning for the loss of his wife and child, he doesn't hesitate to pass on this grave knowledge as part of his decision to name her as heir in place of Damon. But this is no gift. He tells her that sitting the Iron Throne is more dangerous than sitting a dragon. Not just because the Iron Throne bears responsibility for every living soul in Westeros, but because her duty extends to all humanity itself, including those yet to be born. Just as their ancestor Daenys the Dreamer foresaw the doom of Valyria, which destroyed all the dragon-riding families except House Targaryen, Aegon the Conqueror dreamt of what we know to be the White Walkers, the Others, and the Long Night. While grasping the very dagger that will one day slay the Night King, he tells her that Aegon was ambitious, yes, but the unification of Westeros through Dragonflame was justified because of this dream, a dream that we know others have seen in other forms or seen written down. Melisandre and Rhaegar are examples of one, if not both. This heritage of dreams which come true is also why King Viserys took the dream of his son so seriously. That he got it partly wrong is a clue as well, an ominous one or a warning that perhaps they don't fully understand the Song of Ice and Fire either, just as Rhaegar and Melisandre did not. Misunderstandings like this could lead to the sorts of tragedies that will one day end the House of the Dragon. That's our short synopsis. Join History of Westeros on YouTube during the season every Monday at 6 Eastern for a detailed long-form review of each episode, and every 3 p.m. on Saturday as we look ahead to the next episodes while mixing in discussions from the books with guests. If you can't make the live streams, you can watch or listen to the replays anytime afterwards. They'll also be available wherever you consume podcasts. Alongside our House of the Dragon coverage, you'll find that over the last 10 years, we've created hundreds of other episodes about A Song of Ice and Fire, Fire and Blood, Duncan Egg, and everything else Westeros, Essos, and beyond, past, present, and future.